Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Christ. Christ and coffee. Coffee and Christ. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah, you know what? Just whatever you like to say. Just listen. That's all we can. <laughs> we don't care what you call us. Just, just listen. Never been too big on titles. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, guys, welcome back. Um, I'm trying to think. We'll just jump right into Dylan. How was your week? My week has been fantastic so far. Yeah. Can't really complain. This storming though is kind of scary. That is true. Um, nothing big has really happened. It's just been a good week, you know. Work and all work and no play. That's what this week boils down to. All work and no play. It's quite sad <laughs> coming back from the beach and being expected to go back to work the day after. That's ridiculous. I don't know who decided that, but I wish to veto it. Aren't you the boss? So technically, <laughs> we'll just put some air quotes behind this because you can't <laughs> see my hands. You could be off one more day. Yeah, but I mean, I shouldn't be. Kind of like ease into it, you know. I think that's what we should. That's what that should be like. Every day of PTO you have off. This should not just an action. I'm just talking about like everywhere, you know. Should bosses across the U.S. and this should be, you know, decided at an upper level. I agree. Like the Supreme Court and the president. Every day of PTO you have off really means you have two days. So you have one day of actually the PTO, and then the day after that is just a day of of rest. Rest, recovery. Hey, mm-hmm. God took a day of rest. Amen. Why can't we? Amen. Right. And why don't we work five days to be off two? That's a question I would like to ask God that, one day. That's something I want to bring up because mm-hmm. I saw on Instagram, mm-hmm. you know, take this with a grain of salt, where they're trying to make school days or school weeks a four-day week. See, be off on Fridays. How crazy is that? Mm-hmm. Four-day week. Would you rather be off on Fridays or Mondays? I'd rather be off Friday, personally. Because Fridays just seem like, you know, back when action was but a wee lad, well, my office being a wee lad, Fridays were a day to watch Netflix on your computer. We did watch all of the Stranger Things that one time. And remember that? to really just do <laughs> nothing. Yeah. And unfortunately, we have evolved. And that doesn't happen on Fridays. Anymore. I can't believe we've gotten good. <laughs> and something needs to something needs to change. My well, chair is giving me fits. I'm you, sorry. You're the boss. You can make that change. I'm not talking about just at our little mom and pop heating and air store. We're doing worldwide. I'm talking about the government. I know Joe Biden has to listen to this. Christine. Joe. Bye. Joe, if you can hear me. I'll speak slow for you. <laughs> Give us a four-day work week. Make it happen. Let us be off on Fridays. And for every one PTO day we have, give us two. Praise the Lord. That's all I got to say. You finish your sip o coffee over there and tell us about your week. I'm much like you. I've had a great week. It's just been all work, not too much play, but that's okay. Um, just been one of those weeks. Um, let's see, we got like a back to school bash thing tomorrow, so that should be fun. Um, man, I really just don't got anything. Friday will be fun too, because I don't think I've told you this yet, because we'll also be at the school, because we're the Waffle Iron, 
which does gourmet like waffles and crepes and stuff, we're paying them to provide lunch for all the teachers. So like we'll be there from 10 to one and then the, the teachers come outside on their lunch breaks to get food at the food truck. That's the best news you've told me all week. And That's then, awesome. Yeah. I cannot wait now. So I'm going to bring a lawn chair. Yeah. And sit next to the food truck from 10 to 1 and talk to all the teachers. That is awesome. Yep. What a good boss you are. So, yeah, so we'll be at the school Thursday night and Friday. <laughs> That's okay. Is it so it's Sycamore, though? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's awesome. I cannot wait. Yeah. Isn't that what they do up in uh, Crossville? Mm-hmm. Same people? Same people. Wow. The Man. teachers love it. The te- in Crossville, the teachers love it. Have they done it here at Sycamore before? Mm, this is the first time. Man, we're going to start a tradition right here. So they do it for South. It's either every nine weeks or twice a year. I can't remember. I think it's every nine weeks. That's amazing. I cannot wait for Friday now. So the waffles, crepes. Oh, yeah. it's just that's going to be so great. What a great right. way to end a, end a week. Amen. Start a, start a weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, what a great way. So we're going to try to get through chapter two today. Um, it's not as long as chapter one, and it's all Solomon speaking, so uh, hopefully we can uh, you know, get some ground, because I'm afraid, you know, let me look through Proverbs, I'm pretty sure there's 32 chapters, but I don't want to miss, misspeak here. Man, you know how hard it is to turn pages in a thumb sock? It really it, is. It's terrible. Okay, there's 31 chapters. You know, we did two episodes a chapter. You know, that's a long time. So where we can make up ground, we're going to try to. And I think today we could... Today's what, today's the day. We're going to make up some ground. Today's the day. So Proverbs chapter 2, we just finished chapter 1, where we heard the first speech... Uh, from the Father to the Son, and then a speech from Lady Wisdom. And now, we are on the second speech of these ten that we're going to hear. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and start reading. I'm going to read the first five verses, then we're going to talk about it. All right, starting verse one. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining to your heart to understanding... Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So just these first five verses, real quick, um, kind of labeled as the quest for finding wisdom. You know, the first speech was the father instructing the the son in the way of wisdom. And here he's telling him to receive it and kind of treasure it uh, as a, you know, a very valuable. And the father here is just wanting his son to kind of inherit or to value wisdom as he does. Um, and he wants us to actively listen and hear, you know, obtaining wisdom. It, it just won't happen. You know, we, it won't just kind of fall out of the sky right in our lap. We have to put in some effort. You, you know, you have to listen, apply what you listen to, into understanding in your heart, and kind of put it into action in your everyday life. And then listening itself, you know, isn't good enough. You know, you have to call out to it. After you've listened and actively called out to wisdom, now you have to go and find it. you got to go seek it out. And finally, if you combine all these three steps, 
or all the all the steps that we just talked about, you'll understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. You know, just in verse five, Solomon described the path to our quest for wisdom. We have to receive it, treasure it, listen, incline, cry out, and to seek it. And then at the end of the road is the true wisdom, and that is the fear of the Lord. You know, but the fear of the Lord, we've talked about it a bunch, uh, but the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God are the same in some qualities, but overall different. You know, the fear is an emotion or an, an attitude, and it can motivate knowledge. For instance, someone will most likely fear God before they come to know Him or have knowledge about Him. Uh, and then sometimes it's flop once or flip-flopped, you know, once you start to know Him, uh, then you kind of, what's the word, uh, respect Him more and respect His knowledge and have the fear of Him. And, and then it circles back around to the wisdom, where it's all linked with the fear of the Lord, the knowledge of God, but it's not identical. You know, if you take in wisdom, you will get wisdom, which will give you more wisdom. Um, and that's the quest of finding uh, wisdom. You know, the fear of the Lord motivates that search for wisdom, which kind of develops into more of a deeper, and sometimes, I would think, is more mature form of the fear of the Lord, which leads to, you know, a moral conscience filled with knowledge, and not of your will, uh, but His will. And, you know, you kind of see how they're all linked together. And you go. So you have an opening up here in verse 1, and he's saying, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, you know, make your ear attentive to wisdom. So here's what, what I like about this. You know, as, as Jackson kind of said, you break this first five verses down as kind of this, the quest or the search for wisdom. So a lot of things and a lot of reasonings why, you know, because... You know, my time of being a minister and in my just really is my whole Christian life, whether it be in high school or college or, or whatever, so many people don't want to have a relationship with God because they don't see, excuse me, it drives me crazy. I just don't hide it anymore. If not, I elevate it, <laughs> make it louder. Just kidding. But, um, you know, most people don't want to have a relationship with God, don't want to be a Christian, because selfishly, they don't understand why, what's in it for them, essentially. They don't understand, you know, well, why am I putting in all this work and not really seeking any reward for it, or, or why? So I like how he starts it off and says, my son, again, if you receive, it's an action, my words, and he doesn't say, and take my commandments within you, he says, and you treasure them. You know, if you think about what treasuring something means, I mean, think about, you know, your best friend. They know you uh, better than most people know you, and, you know, Christmas comes around, or, you know, a birthday or whatever comes around, and they get you, like, the ultimate gift, you know, what you've been wanting, what you've been talking about, and they went out and thought of you and decided that they wanted to to give you something. So you receive that gift, and if you're like a normal person, you treasure that. 
right? You treasure a gift that somebody thoughtfully got for you for, you know, whatever event is going on in your life, whether it's a birthday or a holiday or whatever. So the answer to me in these first five verses, um, the search for wisdom, you know, that's what, that's what's in it for us as Christians. You know, so many people are just like, well, I don't, I don't want to put the time in. I don't want to be a Christian because, you know, what's the point? Why am I doing it? Well, number one, we get a home in heaven, but you know what? Who knows when that's going to come? Maybe it comes tonight. Maybe it comes in five minutes or maybe it comes millions of years from now. We don't know, right? It may come in our lifetime and it may not, but what's in it for us is we are allowed the privilege of living differently and understanding why. And we should, as he's saying here, we should treasure those commandments. We should treasure, we should be, should be really happy um, with that wisdom. So it goes on to saying, and applying your heart to that understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. And listen to this, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Guys, if I've lost silver... I'm going to find it. It's money, right? This morning I was trying to find money. I think it was like 130 bucks that I had set aside for something and come to find out it was in the glove box of my other vehicle, but I didn't know that. So I was like turning my truck upside down, you know, looking in the house, trying to find it. And then, you know, but regardless of it, when you have money, that you lose, then obviously you're going to seek it. You're going to look for it. So why not as Christians, are we not seeking wisdom? Because that's what's in it. That's what's in it for us. We get, we get the privilege of living a fearless life. We get the privilege of, of understanding the fear of the Lord and and the knowledge of God and all these things. And we have a purpose in our life, however long our life may be. Hopefully you know, we live a long life in service to God, but it gives us, God gives us a purpose. The wisdom that he instills, gives us a treasure, a gift that we get to carry until we die. And so that's that's why, you know, seeking wisdom, having wisdom is really, really important. And so that's why I love how he starts off the chapter with, you know, receive these as, as just like you're receiving a gift and treasure it. Be happy with it. Be content with it. So we can keep reading here. Um, where do you want us to stop? You just stop whenever you want. So then, in starting in verse 6, um, we kind of see the benefits of it, right? For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, um, comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity in every good path for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul discretion will watch over you understanding will guard you delivering you from the ways of evil from men of perverted speech who forsake the path of unrighteousness to walk in the ways of darkness who rejoice in in doing evil and delight in the perseverance of evil men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways so Solomon kind of keeps nailing away the, you know, this truth that 
Mark keeps pointing to why the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. You know, true wisdom is found, we just see in verse 6, it's found in him because he gives it, you know, he's the source. And he also, and I hope y'all don't get tired of us saying wisdom so often, because <laughs> that is just Proverbs, that's what it's uh, That's what it's about. I was just noticing that, I was like, man, we say wisdom a lot. But that's the whole theme of the books while we're doing it. So, you know, this wisdom comes from God and God alone. You know, he, and with it, there's a lot of good to it. We just, Dylan said there's a lot of benefits from it. You know, he says he is a shield to those who walk uprightly. You know, God not only gives, but he also protects those who are upright and who have chosen to to seek out this wisdom and to kind of take hold of it. And then with that, you know, they're going to gain more understanding. They're going to become more righteous and justice and equity and uh, and just overall choose the good path. And, you know, and Solomon tells us how important wisdom is in our lives. It gives, you know, pleasure and confidence. And uh, the more wisdom we learn, the more someone's going to, you know, desire and enjoy it. And, you know, this in turn kind of provides more of that protection we were talking about in choosing the good path, the right path in life. And then he keeps going and shows how wisdom in action, he shows wisdom in action and uh, in some ways that, you know, it's good in, in the sense of it can save you or protect you, you know, from the wicked man. It talks about uh, crooked paths and who are devious in their ways and just delight in the perverseness of evil. You know, the, the wicked man is a broad term, you know, something specific is uh, his ways are crooked. You know, the first mark of a wicked man is corrupted speech and his twisted behavior. And in fact, he, you know, it says right there, he delights in it. In some versions, it says uh, he rejoices. And, you know, you can't walk through mud and stay clean. So just in the sense of only choosing wisdom, we kind of avoid all of these these unnecessary hardships in our life, you know, they can be avoided by just choosing wisdom that's from God and not seeking the wisdom uh, that's from the world. So kind of like what I was alluding to, you know, a second ago, what's in it for us? You know, why? And I alluded to the fact of, well, you know, it gives us kind of an opportunity for to live differently, to act differently. And then here it really, really, really breaks it down. You know, it says, for the Lord gives wisdom. That's how he opens it up and it explains, you know, why, why that wisdom is important. Because it, it tells you that from his mouth, capital H, his mouth, from God, comes knowledge and understanding. You know, true wisdom is found in him. You know, there's so many things, so many people that, you know, whether the media or whether, you know, you look up to them just locally or whatever, you know, you can look and, and listen to what they have to say. And then later on, find out that it was false or later on, find out that it wasn't what you thought, or they, they, they themselves as a person, they aren't who you thought they were or what they say to you isn't the truth, or, or whatever. You know, he's saying that true wisdom, true, unfaltered, you know, faithful, pure wisdom is found in God. And the most amazing thing is, is he's giving it, just like we talked about that gift, he is allowing us to have it. 
you know, from his own mouth comes this knowledge and understanding, and he allows us to to understand the wisdom. And then the real benefits of it is it truly is a shield to those who walk uprightly. You know, here here's the reality of it. You know, it's so easy to fall into the wrong place in the world. You know, we all want to be successful. We all want to to be good, I would hope, good people, you know, make an honest living for ourselves and, you know, have people trust us and people like us. You know, nobody sets up, you know, in the morning and says, today I want to be unsuccessful and I want to find people who hate me. You know, there's just not many people, I don't think, that live that way. And he he's saying, you know, I'm going to shield those who walk uprightly. You know, all good and perfect things come together for those who love the Lord. And I believe that verse is true. If you will take the basic understanding of the word of God and live that way, I truly believe that Christ is trying and will succeed in setting up Christians for success. You know, not just heaven, but in life. You know, if we're good, moral people, and even if we just scratch the surface of this basic wisdom, right? Treating people the way we want to be treated, you know, helping other people as, you know, the Good Samaritan does, and, and you know, trying our best to have a relationship with the Lord. Let's just be honest. How can you not succeed? You know, because all you're doing as a person if you're living this way, is building credibility for yourself. You know, so not only does God say, hey, here's this wisdom, here's what you can have. He also says, here's this wisdom, and I'm going to actively work to defend and guard you and preserve you to walk in the way of the truth. And he, and he actively works in our lives. And, and some people don't believe that, but I do. You know, he actively works in our lives to say, you know, not only I'm... I'm going to give you the gift of wisdom, but I'm going to try to shield you from the attacks of the devil. I'm going to try to shield you and defend you because you're trying to be a righteous person, because you're trying, you know, to treat other people with respect. And, and I think he does that. I really do believe that he works in our defense, you know, every single day. And then like Jackson was saying, you know, the fear of the Lord and all these things. If we can do this and we can successfully live a life and stay on a good path, you know, I truly think if we have God written in our heart and he is the forefront of our mind and our decision making, then I truly believe we'll understand everything you know, that we will understand the fear of the Lord. Because there's so many things, you know, as Christians that I just don't understand. You know, I don't understand grace. I don't know where the line is of where God's grace comes in and covers everything. I don't understand all that stuff. But he's saying, if you will live the way that I'm telling you to live. Everything's going to come to fruition. Everybody's going to understand a proper understanding of of God. And there won't be any questions, you know, at the end. But he's saying, 
you know, we have to stay on the good path that it talks about in Proverbs. Proverbs 21. I'm, we're we'll gonna, get to it. We'll get to it. But <laughs> I really think it's in Proverbs 21 talking about, you know, the path that the wagon cart takes and there's a rough path and then there's a path that, you know, I'm just going to have to look it up real quick because yeah, I, I really, it's been a while since I've looked at that. Can you say it one more time? Proverbs, just tra- chapter 21, maybe around verse 5. I could be like totally wrong. No, wait a minute. It's not Proverbs 21. I think it's Proverbs 2. Oh, Proverbs 2. I think we're going to get into it in a minute. We'll find out. I just don't want to tell you all wrong. That would be terrible. Um, but anyway, but you know, I truly think that we'll understand that, hey, we will not walk the paths that we're instructed to. It does in verse 15, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. I just read it. Um, (laughs) sorry about that, everyone. I'm sure there's another one like that. Um, but yeah, I truly think that the wisdom that he gives us, it's beneficial. It's important. And we benefit from that our entire life, depending on what path that we choose. So I will turn it back over to you. Sorry, I'm just looking around to see if... I'm sure there's something very similar to that. I read it it somewhere. I just can't remember exactly where. I just don't... It was not in Proverbs 21, everyone. Don't Don't. don't (laughs) quote me on that. My apologies. Yeah, I'm I'm just skimming it. I can't really see, but I'm sure that's in there. If not, Dylan Proverbs right there. (laughs) <laughs> you can start your own book, I guess. You could. Proverbs of Dylan. All right, so sweet. All right, we're going to keep going in Proverbs chapter 2. I think we'll have plenty of time to finish here. We're going to pick up in verse 16. Uh, so you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths uh, to the departed, none who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of good and keep to his paths of righteous. For the upright will inhabit the lamb, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the lamb, and treacherous will be rooted out of it. So we keep going in this, you know, surprise, surprise, key theme of wisdom. And Solomon is saying that wisdom can save you from this quote-unquote forbidden woman. Uh, If we remember wisdom of God, the fear of the Lord, and wisdom of the world are portrayed as two women, one of them being lady wisdom and the other one being forbidden woman, or some people or some translations might say strange woman, Uh, but they're both personified as women here. And Solomon later in his life, when he wrote the Songs of Solomon, he kind of shows that he knew the power of women. He knew the influence behind them uh, with their smooth words, and uh, in some translations it says flattering. You know, these two examples of the wicked man and the forbidden woman, both being on this crooked path, you know, this time the woman tries to lure the men uh, into adultery, you know, practices deception, and herself is deceived. Um, and Solomon's just saying, and he kind of circles back, 
towards the end of the chapter to the introduction again. By gaining wisdom, it will keep us from this path, uh, and it will lead us and keep us on the path of righteousness. And then even it shows kind of the end result, you know, the the same kind of, I don't even know what the word would be, but back in chapter one, we had the same kind of ending where it was at the end of the preface where we've been left with a choice, and we're going to have that throughout all of Proverbs, but we've been left with a choice. Either choose the good, the righteous path, the one that God made, or we can trust ourselves and our wisdom and take the wicked path, which leads to destruction, where there's crooked men, there's forbidden women, you know, and there's a price to pray, excuse me, <laughs> there's a price to pay if we gain spiritual wisdom, you know, but there's even a bigger price to pay if we don't gain it. You know, it says right there in just the last verse that, or the last two verses, that the upright or the righteous are going to inhabit the land, and they'll remain in it. But if we go with our own wisdom, we try to trust ourselves, which we know from the Garden of Eden that does not work, then we're going to be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of us um, and will be cut off. And that's kind of the, the ending notes of chapter two where we've been left with this decision again of where what path are we going to choose is it going to be the upright one one that god's guarding one that he made the one that he's empowering us when we're on it we become more knowledgeable in his ways or is it the path that just leads to destruction it's going to provide heartache and pain and crooked men forbidden women the one that going to be cut off from the land. You know, think about this. It opens up here and it says that it, it wants us to, if we understand this wisdom and we live a life full of wisdom, it's going to deliver us from the way of evil. So here is, here's what we kind of, the thoughts that I want to leave you with, and I'm not almost done, but just think about this. You know, you go to Walmart, let's just say this, and you, and you buy a TV, right? And it always pops up a question on the little screen and says, do you want to add a two-year protection plan for $13.99? Who does it? Nobody. Not me. But why? Because really it's smart. Because I'm buying this TV, and, you know, I've had... Literally brand new TVs from Walmart. Pull them out of the box, hang them up, and they're cracked. Really? You know, when I lived in Baker Street. Yep. Wow. Bought a brand new TV for the living room of my house that I first, when I was 18, and I just moved out, and opened up the TV, put it up on the wall, and it was cracked. Wow. On the inside, so you couldn't see it from the outside until you turned it on, and it, the whole screen didn't work. But wow. really... I can buy a two-year protection plan that says if something happens to this TV and for some reason it fails, then you, you don't have to have your receipt or anything. You just get a new one. But we don't do it because it costs something, right? I mean, never in my life have I ever added a protection plan for anything. You know, I, I ordered two things on Amazon today and it said, do you want to have a protection plan? No, I don't want to have a protection plan for lamps. I'm okay. 
right? <laughs> My $59 pair of lamps that I ordered, I'm good. You know, but we don't do it because it costs something. But they're saying if it fails, we're going to pony up and we're going to replace it if you pay X amount of dollars. Guys, here's the reality of our situation. You know, the ways of man fail. You know, there is no and or if or but about it. The ways of man are going to fail. The, the way that if we try to go through life without a relationship with God and we try to go through our life relying on our own understanding, then we are going to turn wicked. We're going to, you know, be perverse and we're going to lead the path of righteousness. That's just It's going to happen. Because if you don't have God, then there's nothing for you to fall back. And there's nobody there to catch you. So why would we not want to trust in the understanding and the wisdom of God? Because it's the same premise, except it's free. Like if you're, if you're say, let's really put this dumb down into perspective. If you're standing at the cash register and it says, do you want a two-year protection plan for $0.00 and 0 cents? Who in their right mind would say no? Nobody. Because it's free. You're getting two years free of basically insurance. That's what God is offering to us by us living in the way of wisdom. He's saying, I'm going to give you a plan. I'm going to give you, you know, a structure of a way to live. I'm going to actively defend you against the devil, against, you know, the the perversity of the wicked, you know, as it's saying here. I'm going to give you an out, I'm going to give you a reason to live. I'm going to give you purpose. I'm going to give you all these things. And it's free. Why are we not just jumping at the opportunity? Why are we not saying, okay, I'm in? Why? And the the true answer is nobody in their right mind wouldn't be. You know, maybe it's because they've already followed people that are living in a wicked way, and they want to live that way, you know. But God is saying, here is a structure, here is a path. I'm going to put my arm around you, and I'm going to walk you the entire way. All you have to do is have a relationship with me. All you have to do is understand the wisdom that I'm giving to you. And you're not going to understand it all at once, but as you get older, as you mature, as you continue to, to have a relationship with me, then you will understand it. But there's so many people that they rejoice and they live in the prosperity of the wicked. You know, that, that's just the reality. Because it's more fun, because it's less responsibility, because of all the things, right? They don't want to take on the responsibility of having a relationship with God. And guys, in the physical world, you know, in order to advance in your life and to grow, it takes ponying up to some responsibility, right? You know, the American dream, what is it? Well, we want to have a good job and we want to own our home and we want our kids to go to a good school and we want to live in a good community and You know, we want to live in a nice neighborhood and drive nice cars. And guess what? Every single one of those things can happen. 
But what does it take to do it? Responsibility. Ponying up. Right? It takes responsibility. When you have a mortgage to pay, you know you have to get up and go to work. When you have a car payment, you know you have to get up and go to work. When you have kids, you know you have to get up and go and do the things you have to do to provide for them. When you have a relationship with God, yes, it takes responsibility, but it's worth it. It's worth the responsibility. Why don't we go to work? Because it's worth it. Because we get a paycheck on Fridays and we're happy and we can pay our bills and go shopping and buy the things we want to buy. Guys, don't stop overcomplicating a relationship with Christ because it's too hard. Because it's worth it. He says, do these things and I'm going to protect you. Be full of wisdom and I will rescue you from the ways of iniquity. And at the end, this is where we'll kind of wrap up. It says, so you may walk in the way of goodness and keep the paths of the righteousness. For the upright man will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the faithful will be uprooted from it. Did you finish all the way through? Yep, keep going. So this is what I think is cool. And this is, this is my last thought. You know, you have this last line is very sobering. And the unfaithful are going to be uprooted. You know, think about, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, you know, the effects of a tornado or the effects of, of something. But I don't know if you've ever seen like a, an old mature tree that has fallen down, right? There used to be, it was kind of cool, growing up, my grandparents next door to their house was like an undeveloped lot. And there was a tree that had fallen over there, and the whole, like, I could stand, even being six foot tall in high school, I could stand in the middle of the root ball, and it was still like four feet over my head that I couldn't touch, couldn't reach. And as kids, we played there with my grandpa, and that was our living room. And we, we put, uh, this sounds funny, but, you know, we would put, we would drag trees over there, and that would be our couch. And, you know, we got a piece of cardboard and hung it up on the wall, air quotes, wall, and put it up on the root ball, and that was our wall. I mean, it was just, that was our little house we go over there and play in as kids. But think about the pure force of a tree being uprooted like that. You know, tornadoes can do that because it's it's pure vertical motion sucking something up out of the ground, right? Not something that's fallen, not something, but it is picking it up and laying it down. And you see all of these things and all of these paths that the roots take and all and, and they just they were no match because you know the vertical pressure and the vertical force of something that pulled them out of the ground, you know, they couldn't withstand it. And that's what I'm saying here when I'm saying the ways of man are going to fail. Right? Whenever you buy a house and you get a year of homeowner's insurance with that the reason why it's not pointless, it's because they're saying, yeah, I'm going to sell you this house, but, you know, mechanical things are going to fail. So we're going to give you an out and say, well, for a year, we're going to cover that. 
right? I've put many new, brand new, straight out of the box, train units together and put them on somebody's house and they don't work, right? Because mechanical things are going to fail. You know, the ways of man, they're going to, fa- they're going to fail. They're going to be uprooted. And the only way we can prevent that is to be faithful to Christ and his wisdom, to thrive in Christ and his wisdom. There's no other way in this world to thrive. You know, you may think you are. You may think because you make six figures and you drive a Mercedes and you live, you know, in White Plains, which is the fancy area of our town. (laughs) You know, just because you live there, but you have no relationship with God, you're not successful. But, and I'm not saying having things is wrong, but if we don't rely on God and his wisdom, guys, we're not thriving. Because at the end of the day, we're going, you know, the unfaithful, as it says here, it's, they're going to be uprooted. No matter how strong their roots are, if they don't have a basis of God and those roots and those paths that they've lived their lives on and based their life on, if it's, if it's not all built on the foundation of Jesus, they're going to be uprooted from the ground. So why not take up God's offer of saying, if you'll just live the way I tell you to live, then I'm going to protect you. I'm going to watch out for you. I'm going to keep your paths to the righteous, and I'm going to let you dwell in the land with me one day. Why not is my question. That's perfect. That is going to be the end of this week end of chapter two. We're going to start chapter three next week, picking up in the third speech to the fa- from the father to the son about the father warning the son on never forgetting God's word. Have a great week. We love you. We care about you. Be safe if you live in the south during oh, these storms yeah. today because they're supposed to hit in about 20 minutes. So we love you. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.